Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716 4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome everybody. It is Monday, December 27th. Hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas. We are glad to be back on the radio with you or on the podcast world. What do you call it? it, it we call it radio because we're on blog talk radio. We're on our own. So we call it radio, but it's really a podcast, which is a form of communication that is exploding. And uh, we're, our listenership is exploding. We're so grateful for you helping to do that. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals, and we're creating it for mortgage professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our, com- time, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Got an exciting hot topic this week. We have Joe Rogas joining us of Red Sapiens. And he also has a new company called Start, Grow, and Manage. This guy is helping entrepreneurs across the country, not necessarily in the mortgage space, start companies. And, uh, but his story is one of those ones that has such a um, – it's just amazing. Uh, and you're going to hear about it in the Hot Topics segment. I almost don't want to get into it because I, I really enjoyed meeting him. And I was talking to him about another matter and interviewed him, and it just clicked. I said, would you mind coming on a podcast and sharing your story? So it's kind of like one of those uh, Christmas stories where someone comes from, well, let's just say this guy was born on the other side of the tracks and then some. And uh, where he started out to where he is at today and what he's doing and the passion that he has. I'm really excited to share the story with you. Hopefully the recording I did uh, captured all of it. And um, we'll share it with you a little bit later in the Hot Topic segment. We're thrilled to be a part of Industry Syndicate. Encourage you to check out all the podcasts in the web, at the website, industrysyndicate.com. Also grateful for our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finaster the, with their Mortgage Bot Solution, as well as Lenders One, as well as with the Mortgage Collaborative. <coughs> Excuse me, a little COVID cough still going on there. As well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Incelerate, Josh friend and the group over there do a great job of helping engage cons- uh, the borrowers and consumers more effectively. Also, Knowledge Group, a great learning management system, as well as Mobility MMI and Modex. Both of these companies help you select and find top talent LOs and get them on board. And you get to the laser target. The information that these two companies have is amazing. We had on Ben Turlink on December 20th. We also had Dale Larson III on and Dale Larson Jr., father-son team, on November 22nd. Also, uh, one of our newer sponsors is SnapDocs, doing a great job with over 3 million mortgage closings done electronically for lenders and uh, God, you got to check out what they're doing. It's one of those sleeper companies that I'm coming, that's coming up and it's going to take you by storm and it's taking the industry by storm. Check out snapdocs.com as well as success kit. They do a great job of helping you tell your story and have your story told. I like this one proverb. It says, let another man's mouth praise you, not that of your own. In other words, 
get the best sales, get your the most effective sales force is your existing customers and what they're saying about you. So record it, check out successkit.io. Also, Lender Toolkit, Brent, Brent Emler had him on November 29th. Check out that podcast. As also, we're going to be doing a lot more with uh, Lender Toolkit in the coming months. We also have a number of new sponsors coming on. We're excited to announce in the new year. And so we should be alive with them in January in the month of January. Anyway, so good to have you with us. Uh, Rob Van Rappor is taking the week off for the NBA Mortgage Minute, so we'll move over to Les Parker and the macro view, TM Spotlight, and the macro view of the markets. What you have for us, Les? Rick Rolling? Bear Rolling? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Give trend up. Let yields down. After the reflation trade sputtered over the last few months, has it arrived? Notice how market-based inflation expectations keep climbing. At some point, the Fed will intervene in the new bear market to avoid choking off the recovery. But given the volume and new Treasury issuance to fund expected stimulus, mortgages become the loser. The Fed feels the purchase market is healthy enough to survive without heavy support and does not want to fuel a housing bubble. Let's hope the Fed does not turn around and hurt you. These views are my own. Want more? Go to TMSpotlight.com. Excuse me, Eric. I talked away. Uh, great segment. Good job. I love how Gary Tentrabone and Les Parker team up each week to bring us really some really great information. And, Jack, I want to dive into some of that because you, were, you and I were talking a little bit ago. By the way, listeners, we've got uh, Alice Alvey, Matt Graham, and uh, we're hoping to see uh, Paul join us here, but we have a number of our regulars that are enjoying their week off. So we've got a little extra time, and we've got Jack Nunnery here, and he dialed in. So, Jack, thank you as the co-host. So good to have you here, friend. Appreciate you. My pleasure, David. Well, we, we, you and I were talking just before we went live about the housing market and where the median home price is. Talk a little bit about that. I have some questions, and I want to get into a brief discussion because – Last segment touched on parts of this. Go ahead. Well, David, I was doing a little bit of reading and research on 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 just the housing market in general, and you know, a couple data points really stood out to me, and 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 that is that the median price of a single family house sold uh, in November uh, was four hundred and sixteen thousand nine hundred dollars. Uh, and I just thought, wow. Uh, wow, you know, I mean, that that number, you know, keeps going up. And 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 then, you know, I, I looked at, you know, okay, median, you know, that's that's a single data point, mm-hmm. right? right that's a national 13, number. Yeah, but only thirteen percent of the houses sold were three hundred thousand dollars or less, and fifty-seven percent of the houses sold was greater than $416,900. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, as I look at the market and think, you know, well, what does this really, you know, translate into? I mean, it translates to a constrained first-time home buyer market, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, you and I were talking about millennials. Millennials are, you know, yep. have now become the largest single generational subpopulation 
out there, you know, greater than uh, Gen X, greater than the boomers, you know, and, and still the millennials, you know, uh, are about three years away from hitting that median age of the first-time homebuyers. And, you know, will there be a, a, a robust first-time homebuyer inventory market available for first-time homebuyers and millennials when they start, you know, coming to market as they are today, David? Yeah. I, I look at this, this challenge that is out there. We, first of all, have a housing supply number, but the supply that is there <clears throat> is double-digit inflated, but it's growing at a double-digit rate. I think those numbers are still double digits at this point. There's some markets that have slowed down. So again, that's a national number, the 416,000. <clears> We're certainly seeing markets where the median price is yes. way above that. Um, and in certain parts of California where it's, I mean, it's insane. How does someone enter into this market? And then the feds, per what Les is talking about, is saying, nope, we're not going to worry about it. Let's, uh, let's just let's let the markets go where they are and, and uh, where, where they're going, and rates could be higher. Now, Les did predict that because of the volatility that we'll see in 2022, we could see the 10-year Treasury back under 1%. How long? We don't know. But it's going to create a lot of volatility, which is what I really sense is we're going to be experiencing. So love your thoughts on that, Jack. Well, you know, I'm a – uh, I think I'm a, a little more, uh, you know, bearish on interest rates than less, right? I mean, like, for example, right now, today, we're trading a little over 1.48 on the 10-year. Uh, mm-hmm. We're less than a basis point off of the 200-day moving average in the 10-year, right? So mm-hmm. what do we know? Uh, well, we know the Fed is, is going to accelerate tapering. Um, You know, certainly, you know, the Fed has come out and said we could see as many as three rate hikes next year. You know, so so when you stir all that into the mix, uh, you know, uh, I would tell you, you know, my bias leans to a higher tenure, um, less Fed intervention and and, you know, the the probability of rates moving up in, in 2022. Now, right. there's always the wild cards out there, David. You know, we've got inflationary pressures. Uh, uh, we've got COVID-19 and and how the market is digesting this latest variant of it. So, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a number of event drivers out there that could certainly take the market and move it in a different direction. But it seems like all the signals for 2022 are pointing towards rate hike uh, and, and higher interest rates. And, and the challenge with that, David, just to what we were talking about, is affordability, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with the average median or the median price being at, you know, on the round $417,000 and rates moving up, you know, when does affordability become a drag on the market? Yeah. That is, uh, I think we are there in certain markets. When you start looking at wages, you're looking at where things are at. You look at where is that point? Boy, if we're not there, we are very close to it. Would you agree with that statement, Jack? Yeah, I do. I do. But and then you look the at a week or two. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to dig more into uh, housing inventory and affordability uh, and, and the challenges that builders are facing trying to 
um, uh, turn their pipeline into completed homes, right? I mean, I hear the latest biggest shortage out there now is windows, right? Mm -hmm. And and yes. and so while there is a robust builder pipeline, it is it is marching slowly to completion because of labor shortages, uh, costs, and just product availability, David. So. Uh, I'm going to take the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to really dive into this this chain of completion for uh, you know uh, new starts in the in the in the builder community, and oh, look at their challenges and the pace that these new homes are are coming to market. Um, I think what we're going to see is a lot of home buyers uh, mm -hmm. that want to buy a new home are buying it earlier in the construction process. And, and they're not buying spec homes that are completed because there just aren't that many out there, David. Right. That's right. Yeah. And we're looking at doing a remodel on our home. We've been looking at it. Keep going back. We've had to tailor, trim it back dramatically because of the inflation and the prices. Uh, it's just insane. Uh, the prices for part of it, so we chopped off a chunk of it. Now we're going back to the builder and saying, okay, what is this going to cost us? And I almost cringe because, you know, what's moved? Since the, the time it took the architect to redesign things, uh, so um, yeah, you know, is, is this something where you say, okay, let's just set this down and we'll do this later. We don't have to do this. And is this something? And at some point in time, where does things start taking off? Where is inflation? We are anticipating inflation, and you look at 2022. Uh, we are anticipating inflation really kicking in, and the consequences of current spending. Uh, coming to bear or to roost and uh, those consequences coming to roost on us. And I'm expecting there are just a number of factors. 2022 is going to be a really interesting year. I think it's going to be a, has the potential of being a very good year for the mortgage lenders that are, have positioned themselves into the purchase market. We're going to be talking more about that. I think those that have done servicing and Jack, I want to talk about a, a, one of the sets of podcasts we're looking to come up with in just a minute uh, was, is servicing. We're going to be zeroing in on that in a multi-podcast, multi-session uh, series of podcasts. And it's going to be really fun to do uh, because those that have servicing that are doing it and handling it wisely uh, are going to have an advantage over those that don't. Now, I'm going to pause at that point and say that was made as a statement, but I should almost make it as a question. Jack, in your opinion, who should be holding servicing? Do you have, a, do you have an opinion? Who should be holding servicing? And uh, considering retaining, uh, do you want to wager into that? Just give a little teaser for the series that we're going to be doing in the future. Well, uh, I, I think you, you know, you, you, you really hit the nail on the head, David, when you said those servicers are, are servicers of record, right? Or I mean, master, master servicers, right? That are doing this efficiently uh, and, and, and in a compliant manner. Uh, right. I mean, because we know the CFPB, you know, is 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 back in force. So, you know, you you've got to keep your eye on the compliance side of it. But you know, how well you know do you think your cost structure is around servicing? I, you know, servicing is one of those things that always makes me kind of you know smack my forehead, right? Because you hear so many mortgage bankers say, "Well, I want to build a servicing." for, you know, uh, uh, downturns in, in the origination right. volume, right? right? So as my origination income goes down, I've got this nest egg over here of servicing, 
and the income flowing off the servicing uh, replaces the drop in my origination income. And then what do they do, David? Mortgage bankers yeah. sell the servicing for the cash liquidity. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, so I think this will be a really interesting uh, podcast, and you and I have got a, 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 a really dynamic uh, uh, person that we're going to have on the podcast to talk about, you know, really, are you efficient? and cost conscious in your servicing or your cost of service, right? And and is this an asset that's giving you the returns that you want or is this an asset that you really should liquidate in the in in the coming market? And and we've got a really uh, uh a good guest that has a lot of knowledge about this. Yeah. I'm gonna be really excited about that series. A number of years ago, we did a series and we interviewed a lot of people on the topic. And it was it was one of it got to be one of the most downloaded series that we've ever, ever done, because people uh, it drew in an interesting crowd because we drew in the investors. We drew in uh, everyone that's in that whole servicing ecosystem and it's significant in size. So we're going to get that started, get that launched sometime as uh, we got what's interesting, Jack. We have so many people wanting to come on the podcast and talk about certain topics. So well, listeners, we want to hear from you. We have, we designed this podcast for you. We want to hear what you want to listen to. What are the things that are most important to you as we head into 2022? So we want to hear from you and uh, we will, we, we take your suggestions. We have always implemented and found guests around the topics. And if you have a guest that you want to recommend for us, uh, We'd be happy to talk to them. Again, apologize for the coughing on that. Well, because we do not have – Jack, thanks for your commentary on all that, by the way. Really appreciate that. Sure, David. Uh, because it is, we're in a holiday uh, podcast, um, we are, we're, we're missing a couple of our key people. And, of course, uh, Matt Graham would be normally in here commenting about that. He's taking the time off, enjoying his family. Uh, but do check out mbslive.net. Put in the code LOL when you're asked to. You'll get a um, an extended trial period without the need of putting in a credit card. Also, Alice Alvey is enjoying her family, and uh, we are very grateful for them, uh, for her and her family. I know them so well. We've been friends, close friends, for many, many, many years and have enjoyed a lot of time with her amazing family. Uh, so, And I don't think we have Alan on here. Uh, I don't think Alan's dialed in. I'm looking for his number here uh, at this point. Not here. So we're going to wrap up this part of the first half of the podcast a bit early so that we can get into the second half. And then I want to talk about entrepreneurship as we get into, after we listen to Joe Roez, uh, talk about um, uh, his, how, his path to uh, where he's at today. Pretty, pretty encouraging, pretty inspiring, and um, hope you'll find this very interesting. But it wraps up the hot topics. I mean, excuse me. This wraps up the uh, regular uh, weekly podcast. Now we're going to get into the hot topic. Welcome to the hot topic segment of the Licking and Lending podcast. This is December 27th, day after Christmas. Hope you had a great Christmas. And we have a special podcast that I pre-recorded. A guy by the name of Joe Rojas, who is also has Red Sapiens as one of his companies. He also uh, is really passionate about his new company, Start, Grow, and Manage. It's really designed for entrepreneurs. Many listening to this podcast uh, are wannabe mortgage company owners. 
And there's so many great success stories out there. Uh, Joe is not a mortgage individual, but he's an entrepreneur and helped many people get started. He'll be joining on, us on the consulting business and will be working with us to help encourage people along through the various micro steps. So I thought I'd share his story on this today's Hot Topic segment. So without further ado, let's get into the interview I recorded with Joe Rojas. Folks, I am excited to have Joe Rojas with us. He is CEO, Chief Visionary for Red Sapiens, and I'm excited to have him come on. He's a new friend, and I'm getting to know him. He's a fellow podcaster, which, of course, I'm always picking up ideas from fellow podcasters. But, Joe, good to have you joining us on the podcast, friend. Oh, glad to be here. So exciting. Let our audience get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got to the point where you started Red Sapiens. So we started Red Sapiens. I started a new company called Start, Grow, Manage. So we have Start, Grow, Manage and Red Sapiens really to help IT companies become better IT companies. That's the space that I come out of. I started my own IT company way back when. And with, with Start, Grow, Manage, we're just doing the same thing, but for all kinds of entrepreneurs. Very good. Very, very good. What is the catalyst for you to do this? What caused you to be drawn to this? I have a sense that I'm called. That's a strong term. Mm-hmm. Dive into it, uh, into what I'm doing. Have a strong sense that this is something you're, quote unquote, supposed to do. I am yep. called. I am yep. for sure. <laughs> I am for sure. So I can certainly agree with that statement. So I think that to answer that question, I need to give you a little background. Yeah. That's okay. So I grew up in Washington Heights in Harlem. When I was five years old, my parents split up. So I spent five years in Dominican Republic, which is where my parents are from. And then a lot of stuff happened over there. Some of it not so good and physical abuse and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, yeah, I want to come back. So I told my mom that I wanted to come back and I pressured her into bringing me back at 10 and she brought me back, but little did I know that she'd been in a car accident. She had some brain trauma and she wasn't doing very well. And so we were homeless for about a year and it was rough and I was still going to school, but we were living kind of in the park mostly or Wow. basement or on park benches or wherever we could find, right? And when I turned 11, I decided I'd quit school and get a job, start working full time. So I did. And then I started working then. And then by the time I was 17, I had my first business. I had 25 bouncers working for me. And that was interesting and fun. <laughs> and then when I turned 19, after people had been shooting at me and, and trying to stab me, I decided I'd do it professionally, so oh, I got my GED, and I went That would probably army. be a good motivation to start a new career, getting shot at <laughs> have that. Yeah, the fact that you were a bouncer, that kind of gives you some insights into the clientele that you were working with. Yeah. I, I can understand why you wanted upgrades. So I want a career upgrade, so I got my GED, and I went in the Army, went in the Army National Guard. And they sent me to school for two years for night vision, thermal viewers, global positioning systems, all kinds of really cool electronic equipment. And I learned how to do that. And then I came back to my National Guard unit and I tried a couple of civilian jobs. It didn't really work out for me. So I applied for a job at the Department of Defense, which I got, which I was very happy that I got. And then for the next four years, that's what I did. I, I fixed night vision for the 10th Mountain and for a bunch of other three-letter organizations. And so I did that. And then after about four years, I got poached by a biomedical engineering company because I worked on some equipment that they had that I knew how to fix. So I, I ended up getting a biomedical engineering job without a biomedical engineering degree, which I thought was interesting. Amazing. It was a rare character in that yeah. cast of oh. players, right? And then about two years after I got this project to network 
my blood gas analyzers with some computers and I fell in love with networking. One of my lieutenants from National Guard unit was with a national IT company. And I said, hey, I think I'd like to go work for you. And he said, oh, sure. And then later they were like, yep, come on, we'll take you. They brought me over and I ended up working there and really enjoyed that. And about a year into it, I decided that I'd open my own business. And then I did. And then I sucked at it. I was oh. so bad at business. I was terrible. I was a really hey, amazing technician. I could fix anything. So you have a gift in a certain area. And we just assume, well, I can open a business and run that. But there's many aspects of running a successful business, which is something and we'll get into in just a little bit that you help so many through. So out of those failure experiences, I'm just amazed. A mom and you living in park fences in basements, wherever you can survive. You're a survivor. I mean, more than a survivor, you have overcome so much, which makes us Americans who grew up in a pretty normal, what we consider yeah. normal environment. We look back in years and we go, wow, I just love these kind of stories. So very redemptive type stories. So now you started a business, you thought it would be an instant success and didn't go quite yeah, like you thought. And what was the primary thing? What, what did you, what did you suck at? I was a great tech. But I didn't know how to get clients. I didn't know how to close business. I didn't know how to put a contract together. I didn't know how to price. I didn't know how to do any of the things that I needed to do as a business person. Right? right. So for about a year, I continued to suck. And I spent a lot of the money that I had saved while I was working for the Department of Defense and while I was working as a biomedical engineer. I made a lot of money in the 90s. I, you know, I had six-figure income in the 90s. That's a big deal. So you started your life off back in New York, mm -hmm. sleeping at park benches, sleeping in basements, and then you, with no high school education, no college education, you went in the building, got some practical skills, and you came back. Now you're working in biomed and technology. This is very unusual. What would you attribute that to? My mom, even with all the issues that she had, was a go-getter, and she trained uh, me how to be a go-getter. She was smart. She came here to this country. I was born here. So that was good for me, which is what I attributed is really that opportunity. Like where you're born matters. Being American matters, yes. right? So if I'd been born anywhere else, I wouldn't have had the opportunity that I had here. Right. And so I'm very fortunate and I'm always thankful for that. That was the, the luck of the draw for me. So now here I am, I'm sucking at it. And I call a friend of mine. I was down to, to somebody's couch at this point. <laughs> I call a friend of mine and I say, listen, this is not working. And this guy's a Harvard grad. He's doing the same type of business that I am, but he's doing really well. He says, why don't you come over? And I come over. He says, look, the problem is you keep running the business like a tech. You need to run it like a business owner. He gifted me this book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Oh, yeah. And oh. although some of the concepts were a little bit over my head, it was really great. If you've ever read the book, there's this character, Sarah, in there. I was reading the book, and at the end, I'm crying. I'm like, I'm because I'd made all the same mistakes that Sarah made. I'd made every single one, right? And so once I figured that out, then I started kind of cobbling my own system together. And I started working on it and working on it and working on it. And within 18 months, the company was over a million dollars. And mm -hmm. that was a big deal. What was really cool was that somebody came to me and said, hey, so all the trouble you went through, don't want to go through all that trouble. Can I buy your company? And I thought to myself, well, it took me all this work. I don't want to sell it. And the guy said, I'll give you this much. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so 
wasn't much, but it was enough for me to pay back all the debt that I'd accumulated. Yep. And at the end of paying everybody back and paying the taxes and doing the whole thing, I had about $14,000 left over. So I took that 14000 I started a brand new company, different vertical, same business, IT, right? Within 16 months, I'm over a million dollars following the same process that I had uh, followed, right? So I said, I wonder if I could do that again. So I sold it again, started again. And the third time I stuck around, grew to about three, four million, a little more with assets and everything. And then hung out, had some kids, started enjoying life, bought some stuff. It was good. And then I started helping my clients with their businesses. I said, you know, I know I'm just your IT guy, but I've grown three businesses this way. I said, okay, if I make some suggestions, right? No, my only interest in it is that if, if you succeed, then you have to pay me more because you have to hire more people and then you'll have more seats, right? And I was charging per seat. So that's all I cared about is helping them grow. I remember I was working with an attorney. I helped them go from him and an assistant to four attorneys and 13 admin people and within about a year and a half and on and on. That's how it went, right? So over the last 20 years, I've probably helped 32 companies hit their first million dollars and help the number of others reach their next target. And so eventually I wrote a book about it called How Entrepreneurs Thrive. And I've then, read the book. It is such a great book. I encourage our listeners. We'll put a link in our show notes for you to be able to go to the link, buy and download that, or get it shipped to you. So. I always say it's a really boring book because it's written like an army field manual. Do this, your, and then do this, and then do this. There's no story in the book. It's just basically a set of things that you need to do, and if you do that, produce results, right? That's good. And so, but I literally roll it. It's in the format of an army field manual. You can open the book and look for exactly what you need. And the sections are color coded. So they're easy to find and, and all That's that. And then at some point after having done that, after run the IT business for a while, I told my partner that I wanted to do this. And he says, well, I want to stay with the IT. So I sold him my interest in the company and I opened this business that I'm in now. And then I sucked at it. Oh, I had really? no idea that transitioning careers and starting a new kind of business with a different audience and a new sales cycle. I knew what I knew and I knew it well. And in right. the IT space, I could do really great. But this was a whole new thing. And now here we are four or five years later and I figured it out. So why is it that you're successful in one career and then struggle as you make a transition into more of a vertical market. Why did that not translate? Well, if I'd moved to something that was a little closer, it would have probably translated a little bit better. But what I've come to realize, because I asked myself the very question you just asked right now, after about a year of really like struggling, I said, well, why is it that I'm not? And I said, oh, I know, because I went through all those hardships back there to figure out what the problems were. And then I figured out what the problems were and I was able to solve them. I didn't do that here. So I had to kind of go through that cycle again to understand who my client avatar was. In the IT space, I understood. Client avatar, I'm, I'm not familiar with that expression. The, the wow. persona, the, the ideal client, to understand okay. who's that target market, right? And so I mm -hmm. understood my target market in IT, right? I started off with doctors, and then I moved to lawyers, and then I moved to architects. And I knew what their problem was. I knew what their pain was. I knew how to solve their pain. Here, I was trying to market to every entrepreneur. So I'm trying to market to every entrepreneur. That's not a target market. That's a whole mess of people with, and you can't focus on Exactly right. Yep. So how does be effective and, and why we're splintering off Red Sapiens now is 
I decided I'd just focus on IT companies. I know that business. I can help IT <clears> companies <throat> grow. So we've helped a bunch of IT companies hit their first million, double their revenue, triple the amount of people that they have, increase their profit 20, 30%. So that's what we focused on, right? That's Once right. I started focusing on that, then the whole thing shifted for me. While I was trying to help everybody, it wasn't working. And then, yeah, it's getting back to recognizing an area of expertise that you've developed and returning to that and building upon that. You've got Red Sapiens up and running. It's back in the technology space. It's doing well. And then you go start another business called Start, Grow, and Manage. What's yes. that about? It is how to start, grow, manage a business, right? Mm -hmm. And so after I kind of got my sea legs with the IT companies and really saw how right. to have business work, and I saw that it's really a translatable skill. You can talk to any business about it. I had to figure, who am I going to focus on next, right? And what I saw is that in specific fields, for companies that are over a million dollars, there's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of people helping those people. Who's not getting help? Who's like really hurting and crying? Solopreneurs. Solopreneurs. People that start a business by themselves and have no team and have no help and don't have the tools to succeed. And so that's what I decided we'd focus on next. And then we started building a team around that. Now there's seven of us, a really amazing group of people. And what we discovered is that what you have to do when you're a solopreneur is that you have to focus on building a business machine, right? And that if you could build a business machine, because what happens is when you're a solopreneur, you were an employee, right? And one right. day you got fed up of being an employee and you said, enough is enough. I'm going to start my own thing. And you started your own thing. You just knew what you knew. Just kind of when I started my own thing, right? And it's so interesting that what I'm seeing here, what we're providing now is what I had to go through in this business. Because I kind of went from having 20 some odd employees and having a successful business da, 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 to being a solopreneur again. Right. And so when I started this business, I was a solopreneur again. But what I didn't have were the five things that you need to build a machine. So what are those? You need a defined target customer. You need the problem you solve for that customer. You need your program for solving the problem, repeatable sales and marketing, and repeatable delivery. That's good. Let's go through each one of those. Expound on each one of those, please. Sure. So that defined target market or defined target customer is who has the problem that you solve. And just because I'm an insurance guy doesn't mean that I should sell insurance to everybody. That's just right. because I fix telephones doesn't mean that I should fix everybody's cell phone. So the more narrow, the more niche that you make your market, the more clients you'll get. And it seems so counterintuitive, isn't it? The problem is that the entrepreneurial immune system is against this idea of having a niche. Like you try to introduce that into the entrepreneurial immune system and people start having connections. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Because entrepreneurs are an idea a minute. Entrepreneurs have all these things that they can start, but it's not starting it's start grow and manage and i really that which which really goes to your book by the way have you finished that book no that was in progress but to okay. your point this is what happens to solopreneurs start 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 yep 
That is really so good. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to get and share with our audience is there are many people that listen to this podcast that are caught in a corporation and they're very frustrated in that they don't know a way out. Here's a guy, you, came to America sleeping on park benches, basements, wherever you can with a mom that has some, sounds like some disabilities, and you've mm-hmm. risen to this point where you've recognized and carved out niches. Key thing is to really narrow your focus. Get narrowed in, especially if you're starting out as a solopreneur. Let's talk about the next thing, the transformation. You talk about transformation, and I love the name. Obviously, my consulting business is Transformational Mortgage Solutions, so I love the name. Talk about the transformation. Great. So that's the problem that you solve for the customer, right? What is the transformation that you provide for that customer? So if you're working with a client, what is that transformation? I'm working with a voiceover IP company right now. And they've been kind of struggling because this is a very competitive market. Very, very competitive. Crowded space. So what we decided to do is focus on privately owned oncology centers. And the reason for that is because they have a software inside of their phone platform that helps you identify call paths and stuff like that so that the patient has a great patient experience. So Mm. they help oncology centers create magnificent patient experiences on the phone. That's different than I sell phones. That's right. Great point. Yeah. It's it's going to the result of what your product does. It's not focusing on your product. That's really good. I love this. Then you also talk about the product. What can you share with all Esther's on defining the product? Oh, well, that's the program for solving the problem, right? So the product is, so now you have the transformation. The end result is here is what your client will experience. The next piece is here's my program for helping you create that for your client. And so that's that, where you interject your product and talk about the product. Yeah. And then you talk about a predictable sales process. Boy, that one is one that is so important. Repeatable marketing, repeatable sales. Yeah. You have to have that, right? So the only way you're going to create repeatable marketing and repeatable sales is mm-hmm. you have to have a process for how you communicate with people. Everybody in your organization needs to know where they are in that process. You don't know how many times I'll work with an organization and they have amazing marketing. Great. That brings them lots of leads. And then when it gets to the salesperson, it breaks down. And the salesperson can't close the deal. And they don't know why that is. And then I go and I interview the salesperson about what's on the website. And the salesperson doesn't know what's on the website. So what happens is is this person starts off on the website, gets a great experience of what the company is going to be, comes to the salesperson, and the salesperson has a different conversation about what the product is and what's on the website. And then the other place where it'll break down, the salesperson does know, and they do a great job, and they hand it off to the onboarding team for that product, and they go to onboard that service, and then the client has a terrible experience. It's not what they were promised by the salesperson there's another breakdown. So that person that's onboarding needs to be part of the narrative all the way through. Repeatable sales and marketing means that your delivery has to be repeatable. Yes. So those are the five things. The primary things that make up your machine. That's fascinating. Tell people how they can get a hold of your current book and start following you. The best way to connect with us is to go to startgrowmanage.com and sign up for the report.
We have a report there, and you can just sign up every week. We send out really great complimentary business content that you can use to help you grow your business. That's outstanding. Man, I appreciate it, Joe. It's it's just so good to get to know you and meet you and hear your enthusiasm and hear what you've overcome. Joe, you have successfully reinvented yourself a number of times as an entrepreneur. Someone who is considering this, feeling trapped, what is your words of wisdom to get out and get moving? Well, one is you have to be responsible for where you are, right? right? If you're single and you don't have anybody to worry about, that's a whole different deal. If you, if you don't love what you're doing for a living, it's not a living, it's a dying. If it's not living, it's a dying. Ah, it's a dying. Crazy. So you got to go right away. But if you've got children and responsibilities or parents or people that you're caring for and they depend on you, most entrepreneurs operate without a plan. They operate by the seat of their pants. They get mad and they quit their job. What you have to do is figure out, okay, when am I going to get out of here? Okay, so here's my cutoff date. It's going to happen this date, and this is how I'm going to do it. And then you work backward from that date to look at what are the things that you need to do. And you're going to have to put in the extra time. You're going to have to do your work and deliver and continue your performance where you are. And then afterwards, you're going to have to go to work on the thing that you're passionate about, right? And then you start making a little money and then a little more and then a little more. And then there'll come a point where you'll say, okay, now it's time. So do you work with these kind of people? Is that your new business model to help those work through that process to start growing? We have, yes. We have people that are in our ecosystem that are people like that. But most of the people that are in our ecosystem have been in business for a couple of years, but they're making under $300,000 a year, probably Mm -hmm. some of them under $100,000 a year. I've had people come at zero revenue and say, I want to start a business and do 150, 170 in the first year, right? Because what we provide... At the end of the day, the five things that I said before, that's what you need for a machine. Yeah. But then what you need to build the machine is you've got to have a vision, you've got to have a mission, you've got to have values, you've got to have a strategy, and you have to have a plan. And it's that plan that's going to get you there, Yeah. right? Most people struggle with the plan part of it. Yeah, they do, <laughs> right? So what we provide to help them with that is we provide accountability, we provide a team, and we provide tools. And what the tools let you do is figure out where do I want to go? And, okay, now what are the things that I'm going to have to do to get there? And what our tools do is give you those little bite-sized pieces that you need, like the breadcrumbs, to get you to where you want to go. How do you think about it? The problem is why people can't plan is because, one, they don't set up a good outcome. I want to generate $200,000 in my first year in business. That's a solid outcome. But what is it going to take? How many clients will I need to do that? It's a solid number. I know what that is. Okay, well, how will I do that? What are the steps? Well, I don't know. Well, that's what we help you with. (laughs) We help you with how do you market? How do you communicate for yourself? How do you plan? How do you plan your sales calls? How do you hold yourself accountable? The answer is you don't. Somebody has to hold you accountable. You had a boss. You were used to that. So we provide a structure for accountability in a peer group. That's good. And you get accountability, buddy, in the whole deal. There's so much good stuff here. We're out of time. I'm so glad we had a chance to introduce our audience to you. You do a great job. I want to wish you, we've already celebrated Christmas, and now we're about ready to get ready to celebrate a new year. I wish you the very, very best in the new year. Happy New Year. 
Joe, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to meet and uh, hopefully get a chance to work together in a much bigger way. Me too. And that you have the most spectacular year this year, you and the family, that really 2022 is just the, the next phase for all of us. It is going to be a good year. We're going to make it a great year. All right, friend. Thank you so much. Okay, so here's one of the things. There's a couple things here, Jack, that I really want to dive into. You and I both have watched so many people reinvent themselves with varying degrees of success in this industry. I, it's, for me, not about an education. I really value a great education. But it's more about those that have just gone out and done it and made it happen. And that's what I like about Joe's story, quite frankly. Um, Jack, you have seen and banked many companies um, at your former employer where you, I just realized your mic had been muted, Jack. I apologize for that. But you have watched many individuals go out and start uh, companies, some of which failed and some of which succeeded. Um, One of the things that Joe talked about is find and focus on a niche rather than trying to be all things to all people. Love to get your thoughts on this interview and um, uh, some of the things that you've seen that have attributed to someone succeeding and also some things that more importantly probably have helped or contributed to people failing. First, David, Joe's story is inspirational. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was, I was listening to the interview and, and it just, you know, it, it just captured me, uh, uh, you know, to, to come from, you know, you characterized it as, you know, the other side of the track, uh, you know, I, to come from nothing and, and yeah. to start, fail, uh, start, build, sell, move into different verticals, struggle, um, and then finally, you know, success. And and I find that to be so inspiring. And, and when I was in the warehouse lending business, uh, you know, we uh, really liked banking, uh, you know, new companies. Uh, and, and part of that reason was, you know, if you help somebody at this very fragile time in, in their corporate existence, and they make it, they'll stay with you for life, David. And, That's so and, true. and so, you know, I liked that startup market. And, you know, when you think about the mortgage business, I mean, you know, I mean, the mortgage sector is, is made up of entrepreneurs. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's just the, the, the lifeblood of, of the mortgage industry is, is people that, you know, start, grow, build. There's so many stories out there of large mortgage companies today, you know, that that really came up from the bootstraps, David, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. have done, you know, amazing things in our space. Uh, I, you know, I can think of, you know, just a large number of names uh, that would fit that category today. Uh, you know, so I thought the podcast interview was nothing short of inspirational and the right time of year for an inspirational mm-hmm. message. Yeah, I, I'm always, 
I always gravitate, especially this time of year, to those inspirational things. This is a time where we reflect, especially between Christmas and New Year this week, where we're going like, what do I want to do? And how many listeners are out there that are feeling dissatisfied, feeling like maybe I should do something different? But they don't have a path to it. They don't know how to do it. They don't know where to go to do it. And uh, that's, I, you know, I tell the story regularly, and it's on my website, so people, anyone sees it, they'll, they'll hear it. There's many wonderful testimonials. But, you know, Casey Crawford of Boobit Mortgage was at that place, you know, about 14 years ago, if I'm doing the math right. And he Googled how to start a mortgage company. Again, had no clue, but he started where, where many of us do these days, and that's a Google search. Uh, I had a website that the way he worded it and then I came up and he clicked on it and I had a, at the time, a walk on video. It was a back in the time where you could use flash video and I recorded a uh, uh, marketing statement and um, uh, that we recorded in front of a green screen. So I literally looked like I was walking out on top of the website. So uh, he thought that was innovative and I shared a message that resonated with him talking about how I had started companies. I am passionate about helping people that want to get a company started. And I've surrounded myself with a team of top professionals that really will help you get there. And so uh, Casey reached out to me now, 14 years later, I think he's the fifth largest independent mortgage banking company funding multiple billions of dollars in mortgage loans each year, wildly successful. And there's many other success stories like that. And it starts with a passion. In Casey's case, he saw how the mortgage industry was run. He goes, this, he watched his sister get a mortgage. He says, there's got to be a better way. And that was his inspirational moment to let's get into the mortgage business. There may be very many people. One of the things I say, and Jack, you and I have seen this. uh, If you're miserable in a job and you're backing out of that and you're backing into a new experience, in other words, you're Backing away from things. You're moving by moving your feet backwards. You got to put your car in reverse. You're moving up. That's not the best way to drive your car. That's not the best way to walk. You bump into things. You don't have your eyes. You're looking at the problem you're running from, working away from, rather than turning around. I think there comes a pivotal moment, Jack, where everyone needs to say, okay, I'm looking at a problem. I don't like it. I am going to make a decision. I'm going to leave. Or you're dissatisfied. It doesn't mean that you don't, you don't have to be happy there, but you just sense that there's something more for you. That was the case in the case of Casey. That was the case of many, many, I'm thinking of many people out there. Adam Huddleston of Integrity Home Mortgage has a wonderful story, was literally in drugs, came out of a halfway house and started a mortgage company and is wildly successful today because of people. I had the privilege of getting on to his story early in life. And there's so many stories like that where I've had the privilege of helping. That's what I'm passionate about is helping people. But do not start something by backing away. In other words, your motivation is you're in reverse getting away from a negative situation. At some point in time before you start your company and get moving forward, you need to stop, pivot, and turn and start being conscious of what you're going to go into. And I think that's one of the things that I encourage people to do. Um, Jack, you know, looking at you and I get together on these podcasts. I think you and I can just have a podcast where you and I just sit and talk and pontificate yep. on a lot of things. But we get a, we're getting more and more feedback of your contribution on the pontification. So please pontificate, my friend, on watching well, different businesses start and grow and, and others. 
Well, you know, I, I, you know, David, first, I, I would like to ask you a question since, you know, you've been in the business of helping these entrepreneurial people, you know, build out or create their dream. I mean, in the mortgage space, do you think that more people, you know, start their own business? Is the majority of those folk that do that successful loan officers? as opposed to, uh, you know, other areas of the mortgage business? Do you think it really, you know, the majority of people that create their own business come out of the production side as opposed to capital markets or operations or compliance or, you know, the many other areas of our business? Yeah, there's some notable exceptions, but without fail, it's the entrepreneurial sales-driven personality type that does it. So, yes, the vast, vast majority come out of the sales side of it. And I think that is a good thing because they know that, I mean, if you don't have production, if we don't have loans to fund, you're not originations, you don't have a company. And I think those that come out of the operational side or some other aspect of the business, we're watching a number of investment bankers coming into the space right now. They're buying companies. That, that's probably the best place for them. But they're coming into it, but they want to make money. But they fail to understand the importance of the loan origination uh, component of the business. So those that are most successful have come out of sales, and uh, that's my experience. So have you seen the same? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I certainly have. And, you know, one of the things that Joe was talking about uh, that was one of his early challenges was understanding the continual marketing, the sales cycle, how to close business, you know, and and, and that's something that a successful loan officer, uh, you know, has had to do mm-hmm. during the course of their careers, right? So, so they understand the sales cycle. They understand close. Uh, and I don't mean closing the loan. I'm talking about closing a real estate relationship with realtors and, you know, which is the continual marketing piece of this. Uh, you know, they've already got that part of the equation yeah. solved or, or that part is, you know, now incorporated in their DNA. But, you know, one thing that, you know, uh, I really got out of, 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 of your conversation with Joe was is the, the benefit of having, uh, you know, a mentor or a yes. company that you associate with, David, uh, that helps you build out your strategy, your plan. Uh, you know, I thought what Joe described it as an army field manual, right? Which mm-hmm. I kind of chuckled on that. Uh, uh, but, but the thought, you know, of, of having, you know, mentor uh, or mentors or associating yourself with a company that can help you put your plan down uh, in writing. You know, I had a boss years ago, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he said, you know, uh, plan your plan, work your plan, right? And, and you know, if thing. you have that, you know, down, you know, in writing that you can touch, feel, read every day, any day you need to, right? If you feel you're straying a little bit, you know, you go back to your plan and you mm-hmm. work your plan. And, and that plan evolves as the market changes, as your business grows, 
uh, as your target client profile begins to evolve. I mean, you know, the plan is a dynamic plan, but, you know, you need to spend time on, on creating and evolving your plans, and, and it anchors you, you know, as a startup entrepreneur, you know, in, in what is a very competitive and dynamic business. That is so it's a good point. I'm thinking a million questions are coming in, which means I think there's another a number of podcasts that we're going to put together in this variety. But anyone listening to this podcast, it's amazing how fast our time goes and we're out of time. But when you look at where you're at, listener, where are you at? You can be an intrapreneur starting something inside of an organization. Many organizations are hungry for intrapreneurs. But you can also be an entrepreneur, and that's outside your organization. If you're looking for guidance on that, we have helped so many companies do that. And, and, and it certainly doesn't have to come at the hands of, of a consulting firm. Uh, Jack, you're one of those guys that uh, many have turned to as a warehouse lender because they sought you out for advice. And, you know, the people get to know you on this podcast. They don't already know you. Uh, they know you are always ready to offer words of wisdom about any aspect of the business. And uh, I, I think that's something that people need to do. They need to seek out advice. They get, and I, I threw, there's an old saying, an old proverb that I like, in a multitude of counselors, you wage your war. Business is war. It, is a, it, it, it feels like war. And I think if you go at it in any other way, you're mistaken. I think this should be going at, there's enemies out there. You're going to be, if you're going out to the market, you're taking on someone else's market share. You're diving into it. That's an attack. That's going to set off a bit of a war, per se. It's, thankfully, no one dies, hopefully, and, and these wars that we have. But businesses will come and go, come and die. And there's so many opportunities out there. I have been an entrepreneur the better part of my 47 years in this industry. I worked for other companies. And had I known now, like the one person that said um, about grandkids, had I known how much fun grandkids were, I would have skipped and gone right to grandkids and avoided the first part of the, the journey. Well, obviously, you can't get the grandkids unless you have the family. So there is a certain amount of level of pain and growth, and uh, not that kids are pain. There are seasons where it feels like that, but you know what I'm trying to get through, folks. But anyway, Jack, you, yeah, I, I'm going to let you wrap this up. We want to talk more about this based on some comments we're getting. It's amazing. We have a lot of listeners listening live. Uh, out there. We're getting some feedback in. Great commentary. We'd love to get Jack's thought on many of the companies that uh, he's banked. Dave, you've helped so many companies. As another person wrote in, this is an important series. Interested in learning more about servicing, but this is one where many are wanting to go out and start their own company. So, Jack, we may have to figure out uh, where we put the order of this, but certainly we'll need to do more on this because we're getting a lot of feedback from people today. Well, you know, David, I think that just goes back, you know, to the entrepreneurial spirit uh, that we find in mortgage banking, uh, and, and and I think that's a that's a a continual thread that pulls through our industry. And you know, I, I was sitting there listening to you, and I was thinking, you know, you know, it's great that you know you're a good quarterback or you're a good running back or you know you're a great wide receiver, you know. But you know, players need coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 so I I think that uh, you know finding a good coach uh, 
and you can scratch through coach and you can put in mentor or you can scratch through mentor and, and put in a company like Joe's, right, that, that will help you, uh, you know, build out, you know, the core foundation that, you know, you're going to need to be successful as an entrepreneur in the, in the, in the mortgage sector is extremely critical. Uh, and, mm. and, and, you know, to that end, uh, you know, I can see us dedicating a couple podcasts in the future to, uh, you know, how to start your own business uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, how to do it, you know, the right way and avoid, you know, some of the natural pitfalls that a lot of people will step into, right? Why did, why did Joe tell us during, during the interview? I mean, Joe said, you know, as I look back on it, you know, there were just, you know, repetitive mistakes that, that I made that, you know, and I'm putting words in Joe's mouth, but if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have right. made those. So, you know, through coaching and mentorship, uh, you know, those repetitive pitfalls can be avoided and accelerate the growth of, of any startup company, David. So mm-hmm. I, I think you're spot on with your comment about, you know, we ought to dedicate some time to this on the podcast because the spirit of entrepreneurship burns bright in the yes. mortgage sector. And, and you know, um, uh, we ought to try to, to kind of lay out, you know, if you're going to do this, you know, here is a way to do it that will help you avoid, uh, you know, known pitfalls that mm-hmm. mortgage banking entrepreneurs people will find themselves making in the early stage of building their business. So good. And uh, that's conjuring up all kinds of new ideas for podcasts of the future. We've got a whole series of podcasts we're going to do. Folks, when it comes to the podcast in the new year, we're going to be uh, setting in some very specific things that our listeners, you, our listeners, have told us you want to hear. Uh, We're getting some great feedback to what we've talked about here, and uh, as well as the servicing. So there's a lot to talk about. So we hope you will come back and be a part of the podcast throughout 2022. Jack's here with us, and we're so thrilled uh, to add Jack uh, into the mix. Jack Nunnery, vast amount of experience and wisdom uh, and the whiz and the, and the whole year. So we got our regulars. They'll all be back next week and we'll be back next week and, uh, looking forward to, uh, sharing so much of what's going on. Uh, next week we're going to be having as our special guests, uh, we've got Shina Arlington, Arlington coming in, um, Shana, excuse me. I think I may have gotten that name wrong. Apologize. Nikki can correct that in the editing of the money source. And we're going to be talking about an exciting topic that you all will enjoy listening to. So be sure to come back next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, Incelerate, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc Success Kit, and Lender Toolkit. Check out all of our sponsors in the sponsorship page. And we're grateful to have you, Jack. I'm thankful that you took time to join us today on this holiday podcast. And I want to wish you a very happy new year along with all of our listeners. Thank you so much, sir. Well, David, uh, I'm, 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 uh, you know, going to be uh, a little, uh, uh, you know, kind of out there right now. And I'm going to say, I really enjoyed, you know, the, you know, the David and Jack interaction on today's show. Now I love the rest of the 
crew, don't misunderstand me, you know, Matt, Alice, uh, Alan, uh, Les, great folk. But I really had a good time, uh, you know, just, you know, discussing, you know, the concept of entrepreneurship in our space and housing starts uh, with, you know, it just being us, David. So maybe that's wow. uh, me, you know a little parochial about, you know, uh, nope. you know, this particular podcast. And I would like to, uh, uh, you know, certainly wish all of the listeners out there a very safe and happy uh, New Year's and, uh, you know, a great start to 2022. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Jack. Listeners, thank you so much. You're the best part of this podcast. We love hearing from you. So please get out there and send us some emails. Send it to David at TMS. Uh, at dashadvisors.com. Jack's going to soon have a T Dave, a Jack at TMS-advisors.com. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you folks. Have a great rest of your uh, holiday week in between the two holidays. Uh, have a happy and blessed new year. Be safe out there. And we'll look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.